Traveling the Vortex We've joined Team Gallifrey as they travel the Vortex and arrive at episode 547. And I believe Ace had a phrase for times like this. Bring it on. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Did you guys do anything, watch anything this week? All right. Well, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to let Sean go first. Sean, you didn't watch anything? Um... Yeah, if you had to think about it, go ahead, Keith. <laughs> if you have to think about it, it wasn't worthwhile. <laughs> we watched Confess Fletch. Oh, how that's, was that? That's what our that's what our Friday night movie was. Uh, it was really good. It's um, it's very much a throwback to you know old school comedies. You know, kind of. It's not the the blockbuster. Um, it, it's it's not something that. It's unfortunate because it's not the type of movie that's going to get made for very much longer. I mm. don't feel like yeah. uh, in, 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 in today's Hollywood. Um, I recently refamiliarized myself with the original Fletch and had kind of decided that I don't know that I'd ever actually seen it all the way through. Uh, and it's okay. Mm. I mean, I know the, the there's a couple of gags that stand out that are very quotable and Chevy's funny, but for the most part, it's just kind of there. I remember going to see Fletch Lives in the theater. Um, <laughs> wow, is that one not aged well? <laughs> <laughs> For a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, consistently the funniest and the best, even though it's the most grounded, I, I think, of the Fletch character. Uh, supposedly, it's much, much, much more in line with the books. But John Hamm was phenomenal. Uh, and it, it's it's just I I hope we get thirty more of these. I would line up and and go see them in theaters. It was that good. But uh, I just kind of get the feeling that yeah, it, it feels like a movie whose time has passed. Unfortunately, mm, yeah. We finished Picard season two, which was okay. It had some cool ideas in it and some fun stuff, but overall it. Got a little long in the tooth, I thought. A little too much of a slog to try to get through it. And now we are about halfway, six episodes into season three. And the turnaround this show has done is pretty incredible. <laughs> the first couple of episodes, I was like, okay, yeah, it's kind of, it feels a bit more like more of the same. But then it just starts, the more the story unra- unveils itself and goes along, it gets better and better as it goes. This picks up steam, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I didn't watch, I don't believe, I don't think I've watched anything since last week. Nothing with any relevance. I guess I did watch another episode of Mandalorian, but I'm still not finished yet. I think I've got two more episodes left, maybe. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. 
All right. Well, I guess there was one other thing that I did. I went ahead and picked up all four issues of Paradise Towers, Paradise Found. This is the uh, four-issue series from Cutaway Comics. And the reason why, although this is probably our reason, too, for us to do (laughs) these uh, Cutaway Comics versions of things, is... The first issue came out in November of 2021, and the most recent issue just came out last week. So (laughs) they've been few and far between. I think part of it has to be because they are, they've been doing some, what's the Kickstarter campaigns in order to get some of these published. So I think that has has to do, I'm sorry, the first one was August of 2021. And then I think one came out in November, and then I think one came out last year, and then the fourth one just came out. But uh, yeah, so uh, just a little primer before I start my timer. Um, Paradise Towers, this is the continuation, uh, or this is a sequel to the Paradise uh, Towers, uh, Sylvester McCoy, Seventh Doctor story. Um, It takes place 15 years later. Um, a little background, uh, Cutaway Comics have been doing um, spinoffs of the Doctor Who, the, the the world of Doctor Who for a few years now. They're, I think their first se- series was Lytton, which was um, based on the character from um, Remembrance of the Daleks. No, not Remembrance. Um, Resurrection of the Daleks. And then again, an Attack of the Cybermen. And there was a four-issue arc of that. They've done uh, Omega. In fact, they have a audio uh, where Brian Blessed is an audio drama that they've produced that Brian Blessed is playing um, Omega in it. And then uh, wow. they, yeah, they've done, um, in fact, that on the schedule. So, yeah, some of the interludes. Excuse me while I do my Brian Blessed impersonation. <laughs> some, yes! of the, some of the interludes in the uh, uh, books here have also been, uh, they've got. I, I I think they're called backups is what they're called. And they're usually little two play page uh, stories that they've been doing in this Paradise Towers, which are Happiness Patrol. So those have been kind of interesting as well. But um, they've been doing some of these spinoffs for a few years now. And what they do is they get with the uh, artists that are the creators of this. And of course, this one was, and I'm going to forget his name. I know he's going to do that. Is it Stephen Wright? No, Stephen... Wyatt. Wyatt. Yes. Stephen Wyatt is the one that wrote this one, wrote the, the, this. And so they got the approval, uh, to continue on with this. And, uh, this is actually Sean Mason is writing this. And then, um, some of the art's been done by, uh, Silvano Beltramo. Silvano Beltramo, I believe is the name, uh, has done some of the artwork on these. But anyway, um, so let me start my timer here, and I'll give you my something new two-minute review. Okay, so Build High for Happiness, Cutaway t- Titles, uh, sequel to the 24-season Doctor Who Paradise Adventures. So the issue kind of picks up 15 years after uh, the events of Paradise Towers, and it starts out by explaining that Pex and two travelers essentially set things right for Paradise Towers. Um, but... Uh, there's one gal, and her name's Viv Two, at Real Original, and she's the daughter of two of the original Kangs. And so she uh, 
it's just she she feels like something's out of sorts and everything's great paradise is wonderful you know they've got everything they need everything they want they still got the rezzies they still got the uh kangs and they still have the um uh, caretakers and there's still these groups but you know it's just not like it was before but basically what has happened is the uh leader of this faction has come in and really kind of promised everything to be good but Viv kind of feels like everything, something's wrong. And she ends up, Pex is dead, but she ends up finding somebody who looks like or claims to be Pex. And uh, so she follows him. And without giving too much away, it's not actually Pex, but it's somebody from the past. And they are trying to regain control of Paradise Towers. In the meantime, the overseer of the new Paradise Towers isn't quite what she seems as well and so there is a bit of a matrix um a matrix sort of thing happens in the middle of this and uh, viv gets wrapped up in it and it's up to her to bring everybody uh the truth of what's really happening in paradise towers it is a really good series um i really really enjoyed it and uh highly recommend it for anybody especially that's one of those things about happiness patrol is one of those when i first saw it i didn't care for it that much and i didn't appreciate it until years later when i understood the undertones and so those sort of undertones of the story are also still in this uh carry through to this and i think that's what makes this such a good story so that is my something new two minute review yeah, sounds pretty good. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Well, let's move on to news. A new teaser dropped rather unexpectedly only once uh, last night on the BBC. It was like a whole, what, 10-second clip. Was it last night or was it? I think it was Sunday night. Oh, no. Yeah, last night was Sunday night. Never mind. (laughs) We do occasionally record on time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um. So what do you guys think? Not much to get from the teaser, but there's I'm really glad not. that there is some marketing actually happening for the show again. Yeah. Um, fortunately, I'm genuinely kind of excited over the less is more idea. <laughs> We're getting something, but nothing at the same yeah. time, which is exciting. Yeah. Nor- normally, I would complain about that, but I feel like Hollywood spoils me so badly on films anymore. That by the time they've released the teaser, the trailer, the second trailer, and the final trailer, I've seen the movie and I don't need to watch. I feel like this is like, <laughs> cool, who's back? You know, that's kind of all I needed. <laughs> well, I've always appreciated this sort of marketing technique that gets you excited and interested in it without giving a lot away. 
it feels like a, a, a real viral campaign of, oh, what's, I can't remember what the phrase is used for this sort of marketing, but I've always appreciated this sort of thing where it's kind of cryptic and you have to try to f- decipher some things in order to to try to figure out maybe what's going on in the trailer and still not really picking out anything. So Yeah. I think that's the nice thing about this particular one is like you guys said, it kind of continues to generate the excitement for it. But I mean, we did get two relatively significant trailers very, very early on. And so, which I felt gave a lot of stuff. Um, I don't think it ruined anything. I don't think it gave away anything, but that it had, they were packed with a a lot of visuals. And so I kind of like that they've sort of pulled back a little bit and they're giving us these little tiny snippets now leading up to the big day uh, so that we don't feel like we're oversaturated with, uh, you know, the uh, previews coming at us. And as Sean said, I, I'm with him. It, Hollywood has completely spoiled me on the way that they preview or trailer movies now. And I, I really get frustrated that they give a little too much away. And I don't even think the two trailers that we got for this uh, anniversary special series uh, were, was even too much. But I, I'm with you guys. I kind of like having those nice little doses of, hey, you know, keep the excitement going. Because we're still four months out from November, five months out from November. So. <laughs> Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rosbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, let's move on to our review. And of course, we're dipping back into the Time War. And this time we are reviewing Gallifrey Time War 3. We uh, rejoin Narvin, uh, Leela. No, Nar. well, yes, <laughs> we rejoin Narvin, <laughs> Romana, and then eventually Leela <laughs> for more adventures during the Time War. From Big Finish Productions. This is it. The end of the line. In orbit of a dying star on the fringes of a dying galaxy. Gallifrey, Time War 3. Hands where I can see them. <gasps> Who are you? I'll ask the questions. I'm Narvin. And I'm Romana. <laughs> Because you are. Ah, the ghosts. Hungry, vicious. You've been to the place where they are. You reek of it. The longer we stay, the worse we make things. We have no choice but to leave. Like Leela did? Exactly. She was here, and she'd have understood what was necessary. She did understand.
We don't both need to die. Oh, don't be an idiot. Listen to me. Climb up now. Chroma is heir to the throne. Do as I say. I am your mother. You will do as I say. Alert identification confirmed. You know these guys? The female is a president of Gallifrey. An associate of the doctor. She has encountered us many times. I kind of guess they were VIP. Big finish. We love stories. Is this what life is going to be from now on? Nowhere to rest? Just constant running? Hostiles. Exiled from Gallifrey, Romana and Narvin are fleeing of their, from their own people in the Time War. Seeking refuge on a derelict wreck, they find they are not alone, and that the Time Lords have enemies everywhere. Bum, bum, bum. Go ahead, Sean. Um, it's a pretty standard story from the standpoint that it, it, it's alien, essentially. I mean, we're, we're trapped on a spaceship and there's a thing out there trying to get us. And uh, there's a lot of crawling through ducts and uh, elevator shafts and uh, whatnot to get from point A to point B and then back to point A. Um, but I found that I liked this one. Maybe it's just because I like this particular style of who. It kind of sort of gave up a base under siege vibe, which, as we know, is my jam. Uh, but um, it was fun to have both Ramana and Narvin out in the field, outside of Gallifrey, outside of the political um, fights, all those things that I was very much excited about Gallifrey to begin with. And then I feel like we jumped into the the... the the Gallifrey story is far too late in the run for me to get that because we're dealing with the war. So I didn't get as much of the political infighting. Because we're kind of 10 box sets in and right. the first eight had all that. Yeah. Total, <laughs> to, totally my fault on scheduling. I get it. But um, but it was fun to take them out of what I perceived was going to be the Gallifrey environment and put them you know, out here on the run and, and, and throw some problems their way. I thought the mystery was uh, was, was relatively clever. Um, although maybe a tad bit predictable, um, when you talk about, you know, an unexploded time grenade, <laughs> sometimes I love the sheer lack of techno babble that Dr. Who presents us with. I just, what is it? It's a time grenade. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. You know, you didn't come up with a cool name for it. We're just going to say it's a time grenade. Extrapolate on your own thoughts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it just I, tickles me when that happens. It's, it's sort of, for me, I think it's a little, it's almost like lazy writing, but I'm getting used to it because it seems like in a lot of this, if, even these time war, uh, time war audios, not just the Gallifrey ones, but we've had a lot of times where they've just called something what it is, you know, instead of coming up yeah. with something clever. And I almost, I'm almost getting tired of it because I think it's lazy writing, but on the flip side, it's also giving you, it's just obvious. I mean, it's, it's an easy way to tell you, this is what it is, is once you extrapolate what it does, you know, it, it makes sense. Well, it's a time grenade. Okay. <laughs> well, so. and it's both an audio thing to, yeah, to make it easy since, since, since you can't develop a prop for it. Right. You, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an easy jump there. But it's very much a Doctor Who thing. This is something that the show has done. Now, the interesting side note is 
Star Trek Discovery did this in their first season with something called a time crystal. And I lost my mind because the, over there it is lazy writing because Star Trek is known for its techno babble. And gosh darn it, you come up with a weird name for whatever that's supposed to be. You can't just call it a time crystal. It's like calling those, you know, di dilithium crystals. You wouldn't call them speed crystals. I mean, you know, it's that level of dumb. But in Doctor Who, it's acceptable because it's a different, uh, different vibe. But, um, Anyway, it's, yeah, it's no, also I an inconsistent vibe because we've gotten other elaborate names for things before. Oh yeah, very much so. But again, if you if, if you're in the Who fandom looking for canon or consistency, or that's <laughs> true. <laughs> no, you're in the wrong fandom, pal. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that here. <laughs> Although I, I did have a thought, and if the long gestating traveling the vortex role-playing gang ever gets uh ever gets off the ground officially wow i came up with an idea to completely fix and justify all of the sinkings of atlantis <laughs> I'm, is it sad that i'm kind of excited about that like i really want to play that story just to get it out in the wild <laughs> keith what do you think uh, I agree with what Sean said. I, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was a nice kind of change of pace. It was time war related, but not in the in the thick of it like we've been with the War Doctor. Um, I, I liked having Ramana and Narvin together out in the field because previous story uh, box sets we seem to be splitting them up. So it's nice to see that dynamic together. Uh, the overall plot, I thought it, it was an interesting exploration of oh, uh, an attempt at a weapon that goes wrong and you know it's kind of a bit predictable but it was still an, it was enough of an enjoyable ride that I was okay with all of that I think I'd echo everything you guys are saying about it um, I liked it I think the, the frustrating thing about me well first of all this entire box set almost has nothing to do with the time war. I mean, we've the uh, Romana and no. Narvin have been exiled. And so they're on the path to find Leela. And until the very, very end of this, there's really nothing. I mean, the, they keep warning people that they come across that the time war is coming. And, and I think in this particular episode, the, where they're at is because, uh, you know, or ramifications from the time war. But I think the thing that annoyed me the most about this one was, and I think writers, good writers can get around this. They can still use this device, but get around it. They can write very well. But this one was such the nature for they had this main gal. And I, for the life of me, can't remember her name right now. But she's continuing to... Trelik, I blink was her name, yeah? Trelik. Yeah. All right, so Trelik keeps going around being super suspicious and withholding a lot of information and not telling them things that... If had she had disclosed things to them early on in the story, obviously we wouldn't have had a story. But it wouldn't they wouldn't have led to all these unfortunate events that we come to. But what makes it even more frustrating is later on in the story, she makes she says that phrase that I absolutely hate when writers use this. You mean you haven't figured this out by now? <laughs> that is so stupid. That is that's the stupidest line ever because if you're not giving enough information to let people in on what's happening, 
you can't later ask them if they have figured it out unless there is some reason you can't tell them. And there is absolutely no reason in this story that she couldn't have told them what was going on. And so I think that there it leads to, I mean, it lends to the mystery of what's happening here. And they want to keep the writer wants to keep you in the dark, but I think there could have been better ways of doing that without making it seem so obvious that she was withholding information and then later makes that comment. That was my only nitpick about this story but overall i enjoyed it i'm like you guys it's kind of a run-of-the-mill story but i kind of like the surprise at the end that this is you know she's actually can't escape from here because if she does then she dies and this thing that perceivably is keeping her there is really doing it for her own good and not for you know not to be malicious or you know malice um, I think had the thing gotten out, had the thing been able to get out, it would have been dangerous. I'm not saying it wasn't, but ultimately it was just, it was really trying to keep her alive or keep her around. She's pretty much dead, <laughs> but <laughs> keeping her in this stasis. Will she move on to the next one? My computer will pull up the tab. There we go. <laughs> Never Narvin and Ramana reach the distant rural, a distant rural world. But even here, the time war follows, and there are more things to fear in the vortex than warships and weapons. The Oraviks have caught a sense, and they are hunting. See, this one gets a dun-dun-dun for me, because I liked this one. I liked that this one kind of unravels as it goes along. Um, I did not realize that the woman, the crazy woman in the corner was actually the main gal years later. And so I really like the fact that they're having to discover this as they go along, that they're trapped in this loop that's just outside of the the reality of things or, or just outside of time working itself, having to work it out as they went along, Ramana having to figure out what's kind of going on here. Um you know, just the, the echoes that, that we get at the beginning kind of paying off as we come back towards the end and wrap back around to this, I thought was a really good payoff. And um, I thought it was really well written. And it sort of feels like something that's been done before, but it's done differently enough that it feels fresh and new. And I liked that about it as well. It's got a very nice, creepy atmosphere to it, even though there really is no reason for it to be creepy. Especially once they kind of get in the woods and, you know, something's chasing them. And they, they then, of course, later realize it's the Oravix. Um, but I, oh. I like that, that that aspect of it. Um, and I agree. I, I think the, the, t- the time loop, although it feels more like a time ep- echo sort of situation, yeah. I, I like. Uh, I feel like Narvin between this story and last story is written a little inconsistently. I feel like he should have been keeping up with Ramana and knowing what she was realizing at the same time as him, instead of being befuddled and not understanding what was going on most of the time. Where in the last one, he was on top of it and, you know, understood kind of what was happening and didn't trust the lady. This one, he just seems to be befuddled the whole time and doesn't know what's going on. So it, that frustrated me a little bit that he's not written a little bit more consistently. I can see that. Yeah, especially coming off of the last one where, you know, Narvin 
admits to having a fear of heights. And at first it feels like it came, comes out of nowhere until he explains, well, no, after that business on the roof and, you know, recalling the previous adventure where he was chasing down the, mm-hmm. the, the futuristic time agent and, and Romana goes, Oh, and, and a side note, cause I forgot to mention it. That scene when they have to swing through the breach and it's goes deadly silent except for the heartbeat and the breathing and the, uh, the kind of the internal monologue mm-hmm. chef's chef's kiss that yeah. was fantastic with yeah. how that was done mm-hmm. but but to see that kind of continuing development for narvin in this in that one and then get to this one and almost have him back into his administrator role where he's always a step behind and trying to be supportive but not really there yeah i i, I can kind of agree with that and I can um, kind of rationalize it in my head. I shouldn't have to, but I kind of can in the fact that, well, okay, he's a he's a spy, he's a CIA, so the you know, the interpersonal skills and the reading people he does really well, but he doesn't know the technology stuff very well and the, the temporal theoretics he doesn't quite have as good of a grasp on as Romana, but that's still kind of stretching to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. And, maybe, maybe he didn't go to the academy. <laughs> we know Ramona did, so. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that wasn't his strong. And who knows how much of that stuff Ramona picked up because she was traveling with the doctor so much. Oh, yeah, that's true. Too. And how much yeah. of it was from the academy. I mean, Yeah, once you have traveled with the doctor, I kind of feel like that anybody you get paired with pales in comparison a little <laughs> bit. Because it's well, like, well, I'm book smart. Yeah, but. <laughs> and Ramona, and, I, you know, they did... Romana is now the doctor in this sort of situation, so she is going to be the smarter one and always know what's going right. on more so than anybody else she's with. So, I, I mean, I understand why they do it for the writing aspect, but it. Oh, sure. I mean, Narvin is very much the companion. Yeah, yeah. For, uh, for, for Romana's quote unquote doctor. Although I really feel like that he sort of has the lead in the first story. I mean, it's it, it seems pretty equal, but I think he's got the. I think he's sort of edged forward as the lead in that one. And because of everything that he says about that. And then in this one, I think he's kind of pushed back and and uh, Romana, it becomes the lead character for this one. And I agree that I think that's what lends to that consistency is because, yeah, you've kind of almost put him too far to the back, too far, too, too far to the back burner. Yeah, and, and and a lot of it's just needs of the story. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, again, looking at the first one and how <laughs> it's it's really fun how how much shades there are of the Doctor and a companion when they get to the uh, you know the, the supplies and Norman's like, oh look, we've got time grenades, we've got this, we've got this, we've got a Stazer, and he starts packing everything up. She's like, really, you're bringing the gun? And it's like, oh, what a Doctor thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> But in this instance, yes, I totally side with Narvin. Bring the gun. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and it's so, just yeah. a, it's. I, th- I think I complained once before about I felt like Narvin should have known better and been more on top of whatever situation he was in. I think that comes in the fact of this is, even though we haven't listened to them all, this is volume what. 10, 11 of this series and Narvin's been throughout the whole thing. So I felt like it just sometimes feels like he's not had 
enough growth and I've not even listened to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Well, let's move and on the, to, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I, I, I do agree about the atmosphere, the scene when they got up to the, uh, the green wall in particular, man, that was just straight up Blair witch. Just <laughs> you know, get out, get out now, go away. <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> Well, let's move on to Mother Tongue. Leela was thrown into a vortex ravaged by the Time War, lost in space and time, but the Trill have shown her mercy. She finds herself in another realm, another life, where the warrior is also a mother, where she must help her son to choose the path to avoid his world's destruction. I give this one. I give this one high praise. I think this one. Well, you I, lead us off then. I'll, I'll tell you this one. I liked a lot, and I liked it because of the way that it's structured and the way that the story's told. It does, to its detriment, seem to be a little bit rushed because I think that they had to quickly get Leela very much invested in the story, and for as short as the story itself is, even though it's you know what an hour long. Um, it really kind of feels like the character is driven to move along and have more, um, uh, more, more investment in this life than maybe it, it sells it. But I really like this idea of Leela getting these different glimpses into another world, another realm where she in all intents and purposes is Leela and they never, they never give you the impression that she is somebody different, that she's like quantum leaped into somebody's body. You get the impression that this is her from a different time or place, but she still has her, you know, the Leela that we know from our world. She still has those, you know, uh, wherewithal and factors in, in uh, still with her. So, but I really like how it's structured in the fact that she's kind of traveling through this timeline and we it's it draws us forward and backwards as we unravel what's happening here and when it's alternate versions yeah even. yeah exactly and then when it's kind of revealed that the uh the i don't know the warrior whatever his name uh oh it doesn't say here anyway the the the, the main the head guy the the leader or the royal or whatever he is 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 actually her son and that the uh the kid that was supposed to be that you know that that flip-flop that prince and the pauper kind of uh switcheroo i thought that was kind of that was cool i mean i love that revelation i didn't suspect that i had no idea that's where they were going with this and then ultimately her having to go back and get a second chance at that event and make that sacrifice of letting her son make his own choice and not push him into the choice choice that she feels that he needs to make. I really like that. I thought that was a, a really kind of a cool dynamic. I liked all those things that you mentioned also. Um, and Leela's emotional journey throughout the story is phenomenal. And I think overall the story is good and a very interesting storytelling. It does feel a little inconsistent. And I felt I had trouble kind of wrapping my brain around how and what was going on because of Leela's because I didn't get the impression that Leela had was in somebody else's body that was actually Leela yet Renucha the teacher 
then does somebody else does jump into her body. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be inconsistent on how that mechanic seems to work. So that that was where I kind of started to struggle um, with, well, how come this is Leela's body, but not Renucha's Lady Zeno um, instead of Renucha, but a different timeline. It, it I struggled with that aspect of it. But the rest of it I thought was was interesting and good. And the idea of this, the trill, this plant that's sentience essentially, and can, you know, keep the planet concealed from time, I think is a really cool idea. And Gallifrey wanting to weaponize it. I, I, I like that aspect of it too, because that makes sense. And that fits into the time war aspect of things. I have a feeling that they don't, they don't explain it well enough, but I had, what I had kind of presumed was because the trail allow for these quote unquote visitors, the time Lords have figured out how to tap into that and place, uh, Madame Zena in, uh, uh, body. And so I think they're manipulating things in order to do that, but I think that's the idea of that whole setup with the the lady in the garden when she realizes that Leela is this, you know one of these what does she call visitors or travelers or whatever they call yeah them. visitors yeah um and so I think that setup was to let us know that that's kind of an, a thing that the trails provide for but what I think I agree with you is I don't think that the story goes far enough to explain how the time lords are able to utilize that to get and inside. Considering- and considering Leela's not even a Time Lord, how, you know, is it a Time Lord thing? Is it just well, a, no. Any, I, anybody can become a visitor? It, I think it's, it's just not very clear. I, I agree, but I, I think that, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's a Time Lord thing, though, because of the conversation that, that the one gal, is it Draw, has with her yeah. in the garden when she's taught what she's explaining to her that, that from time to time this happens. And so I got the impression that it, that the trail just sort of picks people and that they don't have to be time lords. They don't have to be anything else. So I I don't know if it's because I've been reading a couple of high Republic books, but this feels more like a star Wars story to me than a doctor who universe story. Really? If the trail seems to be, feels like it should be a force related, you know, thing instead of a, vortex related thing yeah yeah i can buy that yeah i um there were moments of this that i liked um i i I liked well first of all finding out we was alive yeah yay good thing pleasant yeah (laughs) um being thrown into this uh very dramatic uh, memory of her mother uh to start things off and then finding out that she herself was a mother, apparently. Uh, okay, this could be cool. Unfortunately, I feel like it, it, it just gave off this vibe of being a, um, a timey-wimey loop kind of story that just wasn't told very well. With the, 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 the back and forth to fill in the blanks of, you know, what parts of the story are we going to miss out on? Okay, well, obviously the most important one is going to be the one we get right before the end in order to set up the climax. And then, honestly, I got frequently confused between 
what were their names? Shellen and Cromer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only because they physically change roles, where one becomes the, the, the one that we didn't think was, is actually the uh, Lord Warrior, Lord High Warrior, whatever, he's, whatever <laughs> his title is. I don't know why I can't remember what he is. <laughs> um, and, and then the other one becomes the gardener after the accident. But just, they seemed, I don't know, it almost seemed interchangeable throughout the story when it was, oh, sorry, Leela, I mean, mom. It's like, well, make up your mind. Would you? <laughs> <laughs> that That's the inconsistency. It's really, I, I, and I, I, as far as I could well, tell, there wasn't a reason for it. I got the impression that, that Leela was making him call her Leela. The, 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 the Leela that we don't see the the you know the the leela that we're not privy to because we're only getting it through our leela's eyes i get the impression that it was this his mother leela was forcing him not to use her as mother because this uh, this leela is still a warrior and she's trying to teach her she's trying to detach her son from um reliance on her and so I kind of got the impression that's why she was having him call her Leela instead of mom. But he's kind of this pacifist and this, you know, he's he's more caring and not warrior-like. He's the gardener. And so he defaults to mom first. And then, of course, remembers, oh, I'm not supposed to call you mom. I'm supposed to call you Leela. So that was what I gathered from it. I kind of, maybe I just completely grasped that from nowhere. But there was, a drop, there was a drop line about, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to call you Leela instead of mom yeah 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 so so you didn't grasp that out of nowhere you, okay. they, they laid that groundwork and it was lord but, lord warrior you did have it right Sean. lord warrior yeah um but then the uh to, as to the the quantum leaping of it if you will um i think that at least to me felt very um uh, planned from lila's conversation with uh was it draw? Mm-hmm. Um, when when they're talking and, and she first says, "Oh, well, you're a traveler then, or you're a visitor, whatever the the, the terminology was," um, that she grasps that this is not an unusual chain of events. It's mm-hmm. not like you're a crazy person, which is actually kind of refreshing because yeah. so many stories, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm not me. I'm somebody else. Oh, well, let's lock them up. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's it's kind of nice to have a default built into the. Oh yeah, that's a thing that happens every now and then. Because then later we do get it with Renucha when she kind of almost physically transforms in the classroom. You can hear her voice and yes. she's totally doing this and then the minute later is totally confused as to what's going on and it becomes very obvious that somebody else has dropped in on her. Yeah. So I kind of assumed that it was the same with Leela, that she is inhabiting somebody else, whether consciousness or whatever but well she I th- still sees herself as Leela. yeah this was a, i i i it's agree the fact that her name has always been Leela in this on this planet is what makes it confusing yeah yeah right. i exactly. think so exactly but she, um she just got the luck of the draw of ending up in somebody also called Leela. <laughs> i i did think sarah douglas was uh was was fairly awesome it was great to hear her mm-hmm uh, as draw, she's not but, in it much, uh, but <laughs> she's, she's not in it much. But, you know. Any excuse for more Sarah Douglas in yes. my life, I'm all right with. 
Um, but yeah, it, it, it just kind of became a, I, I really like, I really like the, the quantum leaping aspect of it, of them going back and forth and realizing what she has to do to change things and seeing the ramifications of all that. That's all that stuff was really cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's move on to the next one. Unity on a dusty frontier world, destiny awaits Romana. Betrayal, deception, and death are the currency on Unity. And as the Daleks close in on their target, there will be a price to pay. I'm going to give a bum, bum, bum for the first 40-some-odd minutes of it that I've listened to because I didn't get a chance to finish it before we started this review. (laughs) But I was really digging it. I'm going to give it the Golden Raspberry because it was pointless and had no point being in this other than the fact that we have reunited with Leela. That's all. That's all that's good about this. Only to have them be ripped away from each other. At the oh end. yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the stupid thing about this: is we've Leela has just left this last place where the trails are. She's now somehow gotten to Unity, and no connection, no connection whatsoever. <laughs> no mention. She's she's shacked up with this lady and her son helping them, which is great. It's very much Leela. She's protecting her. She's the the, the warrior, she's helping them out on this planet where, you know, husbands either killed or taken off by slavers or sl- killed by the slavers. And then you've, of course, got this stereotypical American accented slaver guy that's the head of this guy, head of this this group this that's, you know, hijacked the TARDIS. And they're the ones, the Ravagers, that come and raid the f- different farms. And fortunately, Lily has everything protected. And Narvin and... Uh, Romana show up and they find her and really quick at the very off the very top. And we learn about everything that Leela's been doing here. And then Leela decides begrudgingly to go help them find their TARDIS so that they can get off world. And they find their TARDIS to find out that the Daleks are there. And then they go back and, and the Daleks take over the planet anyway. So, I mean, it's just, it's all completely futile. There's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing of value in this story for this entire um, connection to the Time War or the connection to the Gallifrey series. And it really feels like a glorified way to have a cliffhanger of, uh oh, what happened to Romana? Did she really die? It just, I, I'm, that was frustrating as heck. Also, it's inconsistent because she's like, okay, I've got to stay here and, uh, they're looking for me because I'm marked because they'll, you know, they knew who I am. So I'm going to use the chameleon arch in order to become somebody else. And then I won't remember. And then, so it sounds like she's convinced she's going to do that. She steps out the door and then goes, well, that's the coward's way. I can't do that. And then <laughs> has to pretend that she's done it so that they can convince, uh, Leela to leave her behind. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It was just not good. It was not good at all. Hmm. Okay. Convince me why it was good. What'd you like about it, Sean? Other than, of what you heard. Oh, of, of what I heard, I, I just, I, it was, I, I 100% agree that it does not connect thematically to what has come before in this box set. As a standalone adventure, at least so far, um, you know, it was, 
kind of I, I enjoyed the the, the 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 seeing of the bonds being broken between these three because with the the little bit of Gallifrey that we've gotten, I kind of feel like we we've gone through cycles with Romana and Leela where they are friends and then not. And then they're kind of uneasy allies. And then maybe we actually do get to the point where we're friends. And then because of the demands of her job, Romana does something that's kind of crappy. And and Leela, you know, oh, I see you, you Time Lords are all the same kind of stuff. Um, and when she disappeared, we got what I felt was some genuine concern from the Time Lords that we have to go find Leela. Now, it took a couple of box sets before we actually went to go find Leela, but I was looking forward to the reunion. But in the meantime, Leela has moved back into the, I don't think I trust you, I'm not sure I like you <laughs> phase of the relationship. And so I, I felt like this had a, a, a lot of very rich character drama kind of going on between them as they were struggling to figure out where are we at? What side of the relationship are we on at this point? And, 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 and how do we move forward? And should you trust me? And, you know, things of that nature. Um, did you mean a couple, I, did you mean a couple of episodes or did you really mean box sets? Cause Leela was dispatched in the last box set. Wasn't she? I thought it was time Lord two time war two that she and the master goes off and yeah, she and the master go off in the, in the, in the second one, but what oh, I okay. mean is you meant a few episodes the, the, then. Well, I, I meant for, in my mind's eye, I, I feel like Leela's, I mean, she's obviously been on Gallifrey since Invasion of Time. So she's gotten to know these people. And to outsiders, she will stand up and say, no, the Time Lords are the good guys. Oh, no, I, I, I followed but you then, there. You said she was okay. gone for a couple of box sets. Well, and it, I was like, was I the, don't think she really was. It was volume one. Oh, was it volume it was, one? Okay. Yeah, it was volume one. Okay. So it okay. took a, a, whole, a, a box set. Okay. A box set. Okay. okay. I'll give you that. It feels like it's been longer. I, I thought it was the last <laughs> Well, it has been longer set. for us. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, the way we've been doing it, yeah. For us, it's been um, like, I don't know, probably a dozen box sets. Almost a year. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. She's been missing for a year. So, but I, I just... Um, I don't know. I, 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 I would like to believe that Leela and Romana are friendly to each other. And yet Romana needs must will be the first person to send Leela into an impossible suicide squad type mission because, well, I can trust Leela to get out of it. And I think Leela's tired of being used in that way. Like, and so I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, I think I think they've got a really interesting push pull thing going on, and so I was kind of looking forward to that. And I feel like we got some of that in this that, that every time they were together, they were kind of gritching each other. That's but then just when it. Push came to that's shove, just it. It was more of the same, though. That's that's what I had a problem with. Is they reunite on poor terms, at least from Leela's perspective, and then it really feels like Romana is trying to get back in good graces, but at the same time. She's being very selfish about needing to get to the TARDIS so they can get off world. And so and and asking again of Leela to to put aside what she's doing and help her. 
And she at least coaxes it into the fact that, well, then Leela can go get medicine from this gal. Unfortunately, this gal doesn't need medicine. And Leela knows, or Ramana knows that because she's confided in her that it, you know, she's too far gone. And so I just, I don't know. It was more of the same. I think that was another problem I had with it is I wanted them to either reconcile and realize how much, and maybe had it gone far enough to do that, maybe this, maybe that's what it doesn't do. Maybe there's still this, um, friction of a relationship and then had it had something evolved from it at the end other than Leela upset that <laughs> that Ramana's going to go off and do her thing I I just there should have been more to it and there wasn't but I'm sorry I interrupted go ahead no 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 I mean you're probably right because I feel like that's a result based on the story that I've listened to so far that's the resolution I'm going to need. Mm. And from the sound of things, it's not the one I'm going to get. So my opinion <laughs> on this could very well change by the time I get it finished. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it, it kind of feels like they not really reconcile, but at least agree to work together. And then Lila's really upset that they're going to leave Ramana behind, which isn't consistent with what's right. happened previously in the story. Right. So it is, it is fairly inconsistent as far as even their relationship goes. And now, the overall plot is pretty pointless. Now, to be fair, Leela doesn't want Ramana to sacrifice. She feels like she's sacrificing herself. And I don't think Leela thought she was doing that, or uh, Ramana thought she was doing that. But so, so to be fair, I could see why she was still very much, oh, no, you you know, you can't do this. You can't go. But yeah, it's it's then it just seems very inconsistent because we've had all of this build up and all of this time to reconcile this relationship and then Daleks show up and ruin everything <laughs> as they well, always do as they always do as they always do <laughs> the the other thing about it is okay we've been on the hunt for for Leela we've been searching for her this whole box set we find her and Leela even asks the questions okay now what yeah. <laughs> and they didn't have an answer for it. Nope. <laughs> they, they, oh, well, we, well, okay, you found me. Now what do you want? Well, we want you to join us. Do what? Well, we don't really know. <laughs> if, if they had a, okay, we need to find Leela because we need to do this, this, mm-hmm. and this, other than making sure she's okay, it was like, oh, I, I needed something more than that for yeah. this. We hinged the whole box set on finding Leela, and there isn't a reason to find Leela other than we're friends. Yeah. Here, but here. see, I, I feel like that, that to me is, is exactly the reason. But they didn't have a plan for what's next. But, well, I don't feel like they probably explain it well enough. I, 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 I want that emotional monologue of Romana going, whatever else you may think of me, I am your friend. We came running to find you. We, we want to save you. We want to help you. And, you know, whatever Leela says to her at that point is immaterial. But I, I, I want that big confessional, if you will from Romana that yes I'm a horrible person but I do care about you you know what I I mean I think the problem is is they didn't put Leela in a a harrowing situation that she couldn't take care of for them to rescue her right they ran to rescue her but she didn't need rescuing yep so that's a bigger fault of the story itself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't Never know if mind I agree the fact with that, that it didn't explain. Well, but so, but if they're running to rescue her and they don't need, she doesn't need rescue, and then therefore doesn't need to go with her, then why did they go get her? Yeah, because well, they should they, they should have been satisfied with the fact that she's found a place, she's living a life that she that she likes, that she's comfortable in, 
And so ultimately, when they know that she's okay and she wants them to then leave, then they should just then leave. Now, granted, I know they can't because the TARDIS has been hijacked, but. But they were still trying to convince her to go with right, them for exactly. no reason. And that, that's problematic. Well, see, I feel like if she was in extreme danger, it's a much easier choice to make. We've come to save you. Okay, get me out of here because I'm going to die if I stay. Versus, well, this is still dangerous, but there's people here that I care about and the war hasn't shown up yet. And no, I don't want to leave. Because that gives you that interpersonal drama. If, if you raise the stakes too much on Leela, then it is a rescue mission. But the fact that they, they, they show up and there's no rescue needed, I think, is what kind of gives it, puts it back into that that back and forth. But again, I haven't listened to the end, so I don't know how it resolved. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll defer to your guys' opinion at this point and say, yeah, it sounds like it's probably not going to be a very promising ending. Yeah. I just, I thought it was problematic. I didn't, I wanted the emotional weight of the end to have more of an impact on me because it, it ultimately is on the surface seems like Romana's demise, but mm-hmm. unfortunately I'm, by the time we got to that, to this resolution or to this conclusion, I was so upset with the, the way that the story had gone that I was, I almost was like, Oh, now you've thrown that at me. And I just was even more disgusted with it because of that. So. Oh, maybe they'll turn the tables on the next one and Leela will come to rescue Romana. Well, you know, I, I certainly don't, I won't, I won't subscribe to the fact that I think, uh, Romana's dead. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't necessarily I think, believe that no, either. No, I think it was, I mean, it was a clever cliffhanger, I suppose, but. <laughs> the companions get, uh, get cliffhangers. The doctor, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And right. I think had had she had a bigger reason to sacrifice herself, I would have cared more too. It was more of a I've gotta stay so that Rassilon doesn't find out about this fuel planet that the Daleks are using. Shouldn't the Rassilon know so they could stop the Daleks from utilizing the fuel that's on this planet? I mean <laughs> It seems like well, I don't think started... I, I don't think she wants either side to find this planet. Unfortunately, the Daleks have gotten there. So, but obviously, the Daleks already had. So, why wouldn't she? Okay, I better go so I can notify the Time Lords of Hey, the Daleks are over here getting this fuel. You better stop them. Yeah, that that's true. Although, on the <laughs> other hand, I mean they're they're outcasts. They've been uh, they've been on the run from the Time Lords. Yeah, I mean they're they pretty the much are exiles. So. But now they got something to come back with to go, hey, hey. I suppose, but I don't think Romana, I mean, I don't think Romana even wants an uneasy uh, alliance with Rassilon at this point. No, I don't, I don't, I don't know. think she does either, yeah. but it just didn't feel like. I mean, for the, reason. I guess for the sake of Gallifrey, though, I suppose is what you mean. And so yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're right. I suppose for the sake of Gallifrey, it's something that she And knowing the Daleks are there already, it's not like she's hiding the planet from the Daleks. Right. They already know the they're already Mars. there. The Daleks are, are there. <laughs> yeah. They're getting the fuel. So stop them. And said, she, just I have a feeling herself ultimately in the next box set, Narvin and Leela are going to go back to the time Lords and say, we've got a problem. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. 
All right. Well, it was a pretty good box set that fizzled at the end. For me, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? 6B, no, uh, what are we doing? 60th oh, anniversary tie-in. <laughs> uh, we return to the story in between stories with City of the Damned, part of the Doctor Who weekly comic run from back in the, when was that? The, the, the late, late 70s, 70s, early 80s? Yeah, late 70s. And then the new ongoing uh, 14th Doctor? Uh, story uh, Liberation of the Daleks we'll be doing the first four parts of that so a whole bunch of comics next time uh, followed by uh, in theory <clears throat> the uh, <laughs> opening volley of uh, Big Finish's 60th anniversary tie-in Once in Future Past Lives and then we return to the Time War with Gallifrey Time War 4 and then 6B and then some more 6B. Then some more 6B with the novel World Game, which you may wish to begin on if you are following along. Yes. And, of course, you can find all this information on our website, travelingvortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? Please do that by considering clicking on our Patreon link and supporting us. When you become a patron of the podcast, you unlock more audios and specials from us. Also consider giving us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.